keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And your teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killings. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roast. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. The whole fucking show. Uh, Robert Karpolis is here with me. Zach's here. Scott's going to be joining us. Mike cannot make it this week, which is a uh, bummer because he did go to AEW Dynamite last night in Los Angeles, which uh, looked like half a great time. And uh, <laughs> uh, like, um, but we'll be talking about double or nothing this episode. Dynamite. Scott's going to be joining us, so we figure he'll join us for the AED, AEW portion. But because we just, you know, this week it's just Dynamite, uh, the double or nothing review in our high spot was. But Robert and I figured, and this is something you can only get if you join the ten dollar tier. Because uh, oh no, the five dollar tier for bit. My bad. $5 tier for Patreon. Uh, Ro- at least Robert and I, maybe more, will be reviewing Hell in a Cell this Sunday night. It's it's going to be, it's it's maybe the least ballyhooed Hell in a Cell in history as far as like actually uh, pushing towards the main event. Although they, I think they have done really well with two of the feuds that are on this card. Maybe Robert will disagree with me. Uh, maybe he'll give it, maybe he'll give it more. But I, I have only watched half the Raws that, that Robert is, has watched this past month. So let's get right to our Hell in a Cell predictions for this Sunday. We'll start out with, oh, by the way, no champion, no WWE or Universal Championship is up for grabs on this show. So, Well, it's a unified kind of, title, Dan. Thank you for watching the product. Uni- unified title, that's right. Well, it's going to be split again, so that's why I say that. Yeah, well, right. well, who knows? You know, it may be, maybe Roman will just take it, retire, and they'll just shut the fucking company down. Uh, which feels like the way that it's going since this week's Raw was the second lowest rated Raw uh, on USA Network. So things uh, are... It was a Memorial Day episode against the NBA playoffs, too. Well, I'm aware, and they, they should have saved... They should have pushed the start time till after the basketball game was over. Uh, pull it, pull More Tony importantly, Khan. Robert, did my text fuck it up this week? Oh, your text absolutely fucked it up. For those of you who don't listen on the... Uh, on the five or ten dollar tier, what winds up happening is Raw will be pretty good, uh, be a solid episode, chugging along nicely, and then Dan will inevitably curse it by sending a text, being like, "Oh, this is a really good episode of Raw," and then immediately on a dime, something bad will happen. And Raw was chugging along nicely, solid Becky Lynch promo, Bianca Belair Oscar match, a six man tag with Ezekiel, the Mysterios, Alpha Academy, and Kevin Owens. Uh, a really solid Cody promo to build up this feud with Seth Rollins. And then as soon as he texted, there's been a good raw so far. We get the Miz and the street profits and the 24 seven title. All well, in it's one not segment. even like, like I texted at the end of the Miz and, and street profits thing. And the reason I texted is because I thought the street profits are actually doing good. Right. And You're like, Oh, this is really good. And then 
your text summoned Dana Brooke. It was crazy that that happened. Like in the middle of a a segment that 24 seven usually never interrupts. They interrupted when I texted and uh, Akira Tazawa is your new 24 seven champion, um, which is, uh, you know, this is huge, man. This is bigger than punk punk becoming champion. So they needed to get it in right at the end of AAPI month. (laughs) <laughs> if they just really needed to slide it in the I know. last day to I saw, I saw that Tony Khan's I saw Tony Khan's promotional um video for that. Um but let's get to the actual um let's get to the actual card. We're gonna open up with uh Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan. Uh I which I I don't know if they're the club or the bullet club or just something new. Uh, uh, this might gonna... not be the the climate to have a bullet club. Uh, I, I was mess- I say that because I was messaging with a, a forbidden dork who will will remain nameless on it. But he's like, hey, I'm I'm walking around Vegas going to this double or nothing show in my Bullet Club shirt. And I'm not feeling like comfortable with this. Like people are giving me looks. I'm like, yeah, you may want to you may want to change it because non wrestling fans don't know what you're what you're talking about. And it Especially feels like a very now, a, couple, a couple years ago, a bunch of people were wearing the shirts. But now because, you know, of AEW and just those guys really kind of just becoming mainstays of other companies. It's, it's, it's dissipated a lot. So um, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Liv Morgan versus the judgment day, my vote for um, worst stable in wrestling right now. Uh, and, and it's surprising. Cause I like, I really like two of the three people in it. Uh, Edge, Damian Priest and real Ripley. But because of that, I would say this is the worst. I'd say this is the worst stable in race wrestling. What do you think, Robert? It's up there. Um, it, it seems like it's a can't miss idea that has missed at every step along the process. Uh, the storyline makes no sense in terms of, of edge. Rec- it should be edge recruiting people, lifting them up, making it a, uh, a, a dynamic group that's on TV. The problem is I don't know what makes them judgment day or the judgment day. They're not particularly spooky. They're, they're not dangerous. WWE, when a stable is not like the authority or the corporation, they don't put a lot of stock into heel stables. They're not allowed to look intimidating or scary or upend it because Vince has this feeling of he always still needs to be in control. So even when you had a group like Nexus, who was really upending things, they weren't allowed to get over on the WWE because Vince didn't want to look stupid. Uh, This idea of the Judgment Day, they're not doing anything that's inherently creepy or inherently dangerous or you know so you who's going to be the new member fears the nwo I, I i think that bringing in the nwo kind of killed the wwe for a long time it was a yeah. it was a really bad decision on his part uh when he brought those guys in but here if it's edge doing something that is nefarious and creepy if somehow the not that i want this to happen i'm just prefacing this if it's like Edge is using his whatever to be able to possess Adam Pierce and get him to do what he wants, or he's able to use this to manipulate the commentators and they're, they're twisting words and creating misinformation. But part of the problem is your, your unified champion is Roman Reigns. Who's t- MIA. Uh, he's, he doesn't show up on raw at all. So it's not like the judgment. Has day the is, best stable in, in, in WWE. He has the best stable. And so it's like, there's no, mission statement for edge are they doing this because he wants to win the title is he doing this because he wants to take over the company like there's just no direction to it whatsoever 
And they're just locked in this feud. And it's weird to think if you would have said six months ago, uh, yeah, you're going to get a feud involving Edge, AJ Styles and Finn Balor and a heel Rhea Ripley. And it's going to suck. That's a condemnation on creative. Like you have the elements to make this really good. And instead it's, it's convoluted and it's weird. Uh, the match I'm, I'm guessing they're going to reveal a fourth person for judgment day. And that's, what's going to wind up tipping the scales in their favor. Uh, I'm well, hoping it was originally supposed to be Harland. And now they're saying Tommaso Ciampa, right? I'm hoping it's Ciampa just so, I, just so Ciampa has something to do. Like he right. quickly just became a, another guy. Uh, he's like, he's one step away from chasing the 24 seven title. Yeah. All right. Well, I have judgment day for this. How about you? Same. I have a feeling that you'll get Champa interference or something like that, and that's how they're gonna they're gonna win this. And but again, there's no not like not like an AEW where feuds never ever end. But this is one where I don't know what the final payoff is. And considering how personal it's been and how satanic uh, this is, it felt like you could have forced this somehow into a hell in a cell, and they didn't. So you're gonna need some sort of blow off. They feel like it feels like they're all the South Park goths. That's what I think of Judgment Day. They, they act like the South Park goths, like dark, but about nothing. It's dark right, about it, nothing, but they'll move, you know, but Money in the Bank's next month. They'll move these guys on to something else. Uh, Theory versus Mustafa Ali a, uh, for the United States Championship. Austin Theory, the youngest United States champion in WWE history. Melter is saying this is one of the worst built championship matches in history. What do you feel about that, Robert? Uh, that Melcher has not paid attention to wrestling history. Uh, it's not, it's not great. It's not, it's not the worst, but the idea that you're sort of backing into it, that they have to have these champion contender matches uh, and Ali just keeps losing and has lost his way into a U.S. Uh, title match. Not the best, uh, not ideal, but you need somebody to, to sacrifice to theory. And Ali is sort of the, the internet champion right now for, you know, he wanted his release and and now he's back and there was, there should have been some buzz about it, but they brought him back in towns where they don't have the internet. Like Iowa is not yeah. a hotbed for smart wrestling fans. If MJF yeah. cut his promo in, uh, in Des Moines probably wouldn't have the same reaction. That's kind of what's been killing Ali. I think the match will be good because Ali's a talented wrestler in theory when paired up with somebody who can wrestle he can, oh, he can elevate go. his game yeah yeah he can go for sure i i think that that's the one thing that people who aren't fans of a theory haven't seen where i'm like no he can he can go in that like wwe championship style if that's what they want to do with him um next uh, the first of three matches i am looking forward to on this show ezekiel versus kevin owens they've been having one of the most fun raw programs in a while i mean kevin owens has just been on fire, man. Ever since his feud with Roman, I feel like that guy has been super can't miss. Um, I, I think Ezekiel's got to win, but you can protect Kevin Owens by having him win. In a, I mean, this is a match, even though there's way too many fucking WWE matches that ends up end in roll-ups, this is a roll-up match. Ezekiel 100%. should win. Ezekiel should win by a ro- roll-up. Kevin Owens should be in and in control most of the time give ezekiel comeback but then cut it off and then get rolled up uh and i got i got ezekiel for this how about you robert yeah uh i think it's ezekiel i think uh you either have a a guitar strum go over the pa system to distract kevin owens or they do a pre-tape oh, that's with, great. of elias 
and then it, he looks up and sees Elias on the screen or something like that. Like you, you got to do some kind of distraction. And Ezekiel, the character is fantastic. The the wrestling has been kind of a step off. Uh, yeah, but, that's. I mean, that's always his fucking deal, man. Then let him work with Owens. That's why you put him in there with the Kevin Owens and let yeah, Owens no, no. do what he does. It's why Kevin Owens, know, dude, Sammy Zayn. If you can't get a really good match at a Chad Gable, you know, it's like. I mean, that's why that guy's there, you know, just making people look good. So, well, they'll give it a try. But you know what? Sometimes this goofy shit pays off. And I feel like this Ezekiel stuff is is goofy enough to work uh, and, and get paid off. I think it's work. I mean, I think it's over. I just don't think he's that great in the ring. But um, Bobby Lashley versus Omos and MVP. A two Speaking on of one not handi- great in the ring. Two on one handicap match. I mean, you know. Omos, who really is still struggling to wrestle. MVP, who's, I think, been fucking injured like half the time his WWE run, and he's older. And then Bobby Lashley, who's a good power spot wrestler. And I I do, I have to praise Bobby Lashley for the matches he's gotten out of Omos. Like, uh, you know, like, I I don't think we remember Omos's reign of terror leading up through the Rumble and WrestleMania of just, beating people in these terrible matches. Hopefully this is the end. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, they may want to keep Omos strong for after the summer to have somebody for Roman to go against just because, you know, he's going to go through Randy. He's going to go through Riddle and you don't want that Cody match yet. Maybe that's, maybe you keep him strong and, I mean, I think that the, the reason for this match is so Lashley can get the pin on MVP, but knowing WWE, they could have MVP get the pin on Lashley to quote unquote get more heat that they'll then blow off on a raw. Yeah, but my, my prediction sorry. My, my prediction for this is uh is is Lashley. Robert? Yeah, this will be Lashley. You gotta build Lashley up for for Roman as another opponent. Um you're you're right, it's gonna be MVP that'll wind up taking it. The crazy thing is MVP is 48. So he's the age Hogan was when he had his return in the red and yellow after, after facing the rock and he was so limited, but MVP is still versatile despite those injuries. Um, My guess is, yeah, you'll have Cedric Alexander out there to, to fuck up in some way, distract MVP, MVP loses. And then Omos can destroy Cedric. So you get Omos's heat back of like, Oh yeah, he's a big tall guy. Yeah, that's smart. I, I mean, they just keep bringing Cedric back after killing him. It's, it's they brought him back on Raw to kill him. So they I just kind of keep – you got to keep doing it. But Bobby is, you know, he's 45, and they have challengers lined up for, for Roman for the rest of the year so you don't have to worry about uh, pushing the Cody Roman thing yet. And I think that's important. So as long as Lashley is strong and you got Riddle and you got Orton – uh, and you got Drew over in the UK. Uh, you've got challengers to get you through the rest of the year. I mean, you know, eventually, I mean, we're either building to, I mean, next WrestleMania, it's either going to be Rock and Roman or uh, Roman Cody. And then Cody will get, and, and if it's Rock and Roman, Cody will get, I don't know, Edge or Brock or something. Well, so I think it's, I, no, I think it depends. I think what you could do theoretically is if you could, if you could stretch, Roman and Cody to WrestleMania and have Cody win the title at Mania, you do that. You anoint him as, as the guy. If by some miracle rock is available, 
you have Cody win Money in the Bank. I think him his winning Money in the Bank. His schedule is free. His schedule is open. His, his, his schedule is free, but then, you know, someone's going to throw $30 million at him and he's going to, you know, make the slinky movie as opposed to doing WrestleMania. But if, <laughs> if, if he winds up, if you want to do him and Roman, you, you have Cody win Money in the Bank regardless. And then Cody's whole speech when he first came back was seeing his dad challenge for the title at Madison Square Garden and losing. WWE has a show at the Garden between Money in the Bank and WrestleMania. You can have Cody beat Roman Reigns in Madison Square Garden, completing the the narrative. Then you have Cody as the champion going up against probably Brock, since Brock's there in case of emergency, and do Roman and Rock without the title, so you don't have to worry about that. And those are two huge matches for Mania. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it how it pans out. A match that I am looking forward to, which I think will be very good. Uh, Bianca Bear, Bear, Bianca, Bianca Bear, Bianca Bear, uh, Bianca Belair versus Oscar versus Becky Lynch, a triple threat for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. I don't know how this could be a bad match. I mean, look, you can you can you know bitch about the build and the by Naomi know, the showing up and trying to wrestle. No, <laughs> but I I really think I mean all these you know my, the whole thing about Bianca is Bianca is a great green wrestler, and I, I don't say that as an insult. I say that like she's going to be so great, and she's great now, but she's green, and all you need are people like Asuka and Becky who've been around long enough to, to help guide it to a great match. I think it'll be a great match. And I think Bianca's going to go over, Robert. Uh, yeah, I think you got to keep the title on Bianca going forward. This Because, again, this was obviously not the planned match. It was going to be Bianca and Naomi. So they had plans for Bianca going forward. Their their money match for Bel Air is her and Rhea Ripley, probably at SummerSlam if they can stretch that far. Uh, freeing up Asuka and Becky Lynch to be in Money in the Bank is important to – to bring back that whole story from when Becky and Oscar had their, their situation at money, in the bank, and then Becky was announced her pregnancy and all that other nonsense. But as far as you need to call an audible and throw a match together, this, uh, this absolutely works. So uh, I look forward to it and I, I can't wait until uh, Lacey Evans is back to tell us more about her sad, sad family. Well, I think she's a heel again, right? So, they have so somebody... she's still a baby face. They haven't turned her heel on TV yet, but uh -huh. Um, it's it's going to happen, and it's going to be fantastic. All right. Well, our main event, um, which is not for the championship, but I think it's going to be – I mean, look, man. I, I mean, for me, you don't really get much better than Seth Rollins as far as WWE wrestlers. I mean, if you look at the matches that he's had, whether it be with, with Roman, whether it be with Cody, I mean, and whether it be with Edge. I mean, this guy is, has made everybody look good. He's kept himself a star. It'll be interesting, you know, if he jobs here, you know, how do you, how do you keep, how do you keep Seth a star? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm split on this, man. I mean, typical WWE booking would be Seth going over because Cody's won the first two, but I think they want to keep Cody strong. I think the smart move is to keep Cody strong. So you want Cody to go over. I'm going to, I'm going to, tentatively choose Cody but would not be surprised if it was Seth Robert uh you're you're right uh Seth has great matches his Hell in a Cell match with Bray Wyatt all-time classic one of the best matches of all time <laughs> the red light turned on and the crowd just loved it hey, hey, the that edge match the crown jewel was great um, uh, no Rollins usually on nine times out of ten delivers his Hell in a Cell record 
little spotty in terms of great matches, but I think him and Cody are going to have a good match. I think Cody's going to run the table. You're going into money in the bank. So Rollins has plenty of opportunity to, to get his heat back for the next few weeks or find his way into the money in the bank match. It's, it's an end of a feud. Maybe this is where they'll do some blood. I think maybe they'll tease that a little bit and, and let these guys blade the main event. Because- do you have Cody win money in the bank or do you, do you go with somebody like, you know, a Lashley or a Seth or something like that? I think it's Cody wins the, the, so here's the thing in those commercials before they changed the venue, they kept talking about how the winner of the money in the bank goes to the main event of WrestleMania. I don't think they're going to do that anymore. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do if they stick with that or it's Cody wins the money in the bank briefcase and he's holding on to it to, you know, get to WrestleMania. There's, there's a number of, of questions that we don't know what's going to, I mean, they're going to have to eventually split the titles off again, just because if you have a money in the bank winner and he's saying he's going to mania and then you have the rumble winner, there's, I don't know, but I feel like you, you need the audience to take that journey with Cody. And right now they love him. Uh, it's, it's unconditional in every town that he's in there's There's not the smart, you know, marquee fans who want to shit all over Cody or shit all over baby faces. I think they're going to be super into him and they're continuing to be super into him and him winning at money in the bank makes a lot of sense. It'll be interesting to see how the audience is for this match here at hell in a cell, just because you are in Chicago and I don't know how the, the, you know, the, the, the wrestling audience that's the AEW faithful who may be there are going to greet Cody. This may be the first crowd where he's not, the, the conquering babyface hero. They may want to go there to, to boo on him or, or, or shit on him, or it may be a mixed reaction and they're going to cheer for Seth. And I, I'm curious how that's going to look. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, my thing is like ever since AEW, um, AEW has become like its own thing is that like those like rebellion reactions don't happen as much in WWE. It either it, it's either oh this works or this is a flop. It doesn't seem like there's much anger in WWE's fan base anymore. It, it seems like it vacillates between I'm enjoying this and apathetic. Um, yeah, but this is Chicago. Chicago is one of those towns true. where they are. Every time I've ever run Chicago, it is insanely loud. Uh, yeah. It is it is one of the best fan bases. Best one of the most. Cities. It's one of the best wrestling cities. One of the most vocal wrestling cities. Um, but. I don't know what audience is turning out for Hell in a Cell. I don't know if there's people who are just, you know, they they love Cody and they love him in AEW and they're going to go show up and support him. And there's people who want to go shit on him or they're just going to sit at home and, and not give Vince their money at all. There, I mean, there uh, was yeah. on Raw for the first time in a long time, a CM Punk chant. That's true. Well, I mean, there you go. Um, do you think he's ever going to come back? Punk? Yeah uh money yeah i think any there is there's no one who won't come back i i think to to some degree if if they didn't completely burn a bridge in a degree where it's like they're completely unhirable but i i think punk could come back at some point in time down he came back for that wwe backstage stuff that was sort of his soft re-entry into wwe so the, the door is is open there for him. I think there's a lot of guys in AEW who will do one final run in WWE, get their get their Hall of Fame spot, 
you know, get whatever closure or money and opportunity they want. Uh, I think Jericho and Moxley sort of top that list for me, but I could see Danielson going back there and, and wanting to do the hall of fame and, and uh, getting that acknowledgement. I could see punk eventually going down that path. All right. Well, since we have a couple minutes before Scott joins in, I'm going to play a little game with you. It's a, it's a free agent game, Robert. I'm going to, I'm going to say the person who's available right now to be signed and I need you to tell me AEW, WWE, um, or control your narrative <laughs> or nothing. But they're just not going to be, they're just not going to be signed. So in this, uh, in this world, impact doesn't even exist. It's literally, uh, you can well, work for the I mean, big two or you're cast off to go, you know, be an yeah. ultra right wing wrestler. Yes, that's it. Um, well, speaking of impact, the first free agent I want to bring up, uh, W Morrissey, AKA big Cass is available where does he go uh if i were him i would i would have stuck with impact um i don't think wwe is going to bring him back because of the issues that went on with carmella and and graves being there you don't Mm want to you don't want to upend it and i think part of the problem with him was in wwe he's just he's a tall guy but he's not insanely over the top tall so he's not going to stand out if you put pretty him on the tall. horse bank. He's pretty he's tall, a- but you put him against, you know, I don't know, a dancing uh, Indian on SmackDown. He's not going to look super tall. No, oh, that's uh, true. I mean, and well, you put yeah. him on an AEW's roster is so insanely bloated. There's not a ton of space. You know, I, he was fine when he was in that match against Wardlow. Um, I would be more interested in probably signing like, I don't know, Damo over him. Uh, I think he was doing fine in, in impact. I would re up there, continue to hone your, your skills and wait and see what the wrestling landscape looks like. Next up, uh, Johnny Gargano. This is an interesting one uh, because everyone would say AEW. I don't think there's room for him in AEW. I think his place is trainer at NXT slash wrestler or I mean, that's it. I, I I can't like, you know, he's too good for control your narrative. Obviously he's too good for impact. I, he could have a run in Japan still. I could see him going to Japan for a year and, and they're kind of desperate for some talent. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, it would Johnny Gargano and Takahashi would have some uh, just amazing matches, but in my mind is it's, it's uh, I mean, he's gonna, I think he's going to get signed to AEW, but I, I don't think it's going to work out. I think it's either going to hurt the product or him. What do you he's, think? A, he's a pop in AEW. The lights go out. There he is. Crowd gets happy for 30 seconds and they forget about him. And then he's on dark elevation wrestling, you know, one of the dark order guys for six months. Uh, yeah. He's, he's really entertaining. He, I think he's a fantastic talent. I think he's a fantastic talent to go back to WWE, be on NXT at, at, in that role that he was in work as a trainer, work backstage, have a secure job. You know, you have a kid, you, you, you have your, you have your wife, you're in South Florida in central Florida, do that, you know, keep it going. And, and the fact that he's going to get a lot of the credit for Austin Theory's success is, is a testament to how good he is. And he's someone who could alongside, you know, Shawn Michaels run NXT for a very, very long time and at least work to help train guys and train guys properly. And there's, there's something to well, we, that. We don't know what he's like on the creative side. I mean, obviously he's creative and he's done a lot of really great angles, 
but you know, doing it for other people. That, that no, was always he, the slight against Ted DiBiase, right? Oh God, Teddy. Yeah. But the problem is, is like, I feel like Gargano understands what it takes to make a good match and he can impart that wisdom on others because he's had to work, you know, when you're working Indies for that many years as he was, you don't know what you're showing up against. You know, you go into some, you know, small VW hall show in like Milwaukee and you may be partnered up against a dude who's a total stiff. You have to put together that match. And those are skills that are invaluable. And, and I go back to my time in MLW when we had some of the wrestlers, like, like a low key, who didn't think they could do agenting. But then when you get them there and you put them with younger talent, they're able to explain things and break it down in a way that you wouldn't have, uh, have thought of otherwise. And Gargano's love of wrestling would come through in that. And he would want them to, to find success. And it, it's not the the most challenging job in the world for someone who has his skill all right number three and this is probably the biggest one it's not until 2024 but i had to include him on the list mjf where does he end up where should he end up um obviously wwe and AEW would be incredibly lucky to have him he's the hottest free agent in wrestling uh, I think you could do great in either company. You're close to them, JF. Uh, you'd probably know his his strengths more than than anybody anybody else in the wrestling business. But uh, I, I think they're pretty. <laughs> at this point, they're all seen. You know, I mean, like this guy is like, I, you know, like the, he just unveiled another another tool in his arsenal last night, which is he's actually a really good shoot promo. Who would have thought it? Yes. Um, where do you think he ends up, Robert? Stanford. Uh, he has to. I, I think for for as as good as AEW is, for as entertaining as AEW is, every wrestler has it within him as if they grew up as a fan that you you have to be on the mountaintop once. You have to be a part of WrestleMania. You have to be a part of the WWE. The the money that he can make in WWE is very, very high compared to what he's probably making in, in AEW. Tony Khan. Well, they're already, out. I mean, they have to have had. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all that when we get to dynamite or dud or his promo or whatever, all that other stuff. But just broadly speaking, the opportunities for certain individuals with certain skill sets to make more money in WWE than AEW those align with what MJF is because he's someone who can talk and cut promos uh, and wrestle a sports entertainment style as opposed to, you know, the, the five-star Meltzer style wrestling, which would play very, very well in, in WWE. And he has, again, an opportunity for career longevity there. He's very, very young. He still probably, if his body holds up, could work another 15, 20 years before he needs to, to pull back from that. He could do commentary. He's got a mind for the business where he could be uh, a front office guy. Uh, there, there's a, a clear path for financial success within WWE that I don't think fully exists there in AEW. I think that Tony can pay a, a, a lot of money in short term but for long-term potential, plus for your, your overall legacy, it's hard to, to tell a guy, you know, stay in AEW. But if you go to WWE, you're, you're not only going to get this global platform, 
they'll br- they'll they'll bring in the legends to to spar with him on the microphone and, and letting him go one on one with the rock even on a promo or him and steve austin one on one in a promo is a huge allure that they that wwe still has that AEW doesn't necessarily have that same option and for global I mean, recognition the that AEW would get would be cena joining which is never going to happen they're never going to get but imagine john cena and mjf going back and forth on a promo even if you don't get the matches for some of these, there's still that interaction. And there's the opportunity for him to be a massive, massive star in WWE, which gives you a footprint in 130 plus countries and still plugs you in in a different way than AEW does. And for his particular skill set, I think that's that's the end game. That's that's where he has to wind up to uh, to to really cement his legacy. Well, as we wait for Scott, um, I, I want to. Um, bring we haven't up something plugged else with the upcoming stuff we got. Yes, I got to do that. But before we do that, I wanted to get your opinion on this because um, you know the MJF promo is going to be the big thing we talk about on the show. Obviously, uh, do you, Meltzer was saying today you know, he was bringing up the Brian Pillman comparison, and what he brought up, which is interesting, and I actually do agree with him on this, is that you know last night was a. It was a terrific piece of business for MJF. Now, whether it's going to be a good piece of business for AEW remains to be seen. Um, because, you know, basically all that happened out of the Brian Pillman contract uh, snafu was that he got more money from WWE. It wasn't that he, uh, you know, helped WCW in the ratings. That wasn't the story. Uh, it's that he, he, he was able to make himself hot. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that this is going to be something that works out for AEW or no? So here, here's, here's what I'll say. Cause I know Scott's going to join in a minute before he gets on and he would be like, you're an idiot. You're wrong. MJF went out there and cut a promo where he turned AEW heel. Um, he, he buried the entire company. He buried Tony Khan. Nobody came out to kick his ass. Nobody came out to stop him. And the crowd cheered because they agreed with what he was saying it's hard to kind of come back from that because it wasn't overinflated and exaggerated and wrong. He didn't go out there and say something where you're like, you know, like, Oh, come on, that's bullshit. It's like, no, he, he said, look, I'm not getting paid with these other guys are doing. I'm the only guy who's out here delivering for you. I'm your second highest ratings draw and you spend money on all these WWE guys that mean nothing. And the company is run by a guy who is essentially a Mark. And the audience was like, yeah, you're right. Like there wasn't that last step to it. It wasn't like, you know, oh, and fuck all of you fans as well. And then they're going to, it, it, it was, it was a great piece of business for Max to bury AEW, justify why he deserves more money and make the company look kind of foolish, even though <laughs> it was an epic, fantastic, incredible, every superlative you can throw at promo. I mean, it's, I mean, in one promo, he made me forgot that he lost to Punk and Warlow in consecutive pay-per-views. And know? that was why everything was positioned the way it was for him. The, the you know, the, the, the buzz for the weekend and all the other nonsense. Uh, he kept his heat and Warlow did not. And we'll, we'll get well, to that when we cover. Let's get into it. Scott's about to join us, but um, just some, some of our own show business we got to get, get in front of. Um, our Patreon this Monday is going to be Hell in a Cell 2022. I know me and Robert will be reviewing it. We'll see if the other guys <laughs> do. Uh, June 13th off. June 20th, 
We're going to do a watch along, our first watch along episode with a SmackDown, Mr. Carpalist Road, uh, June 27th, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view now headlined by Tanahashi and CM Punk. I'm excited for that. July 4th, The Roast of Sunny. Uh, July 11th, we're off. July 18th, Batch to the Beach, 1996. Wonder what happened there. July 25th, the wrestling video game special. August 1st, the roast of Marty Jannetty. Uh, next week on the regular show, the mainstay show, we've got the roast of Paul Heyman. And in two weeks, Lonnie Poffo. Uh, July, we're going to have Jesse Ventura and The Godfather. August, Seth Rollins and Triple H. Uh, this week, something to sports entertainment with is going to be out a little earlier. Uh, it will not be a retro SmackDown from my end. Robert will probably still be doing Raw. Uh, but what I will be reviewing is uh, NXT's In Your House, which is happening this Saturday night. And, I mean, man, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this pay-per-view, it, this is true. We are truly now at NXT as a developmental system uh, because this pay-per-view uh has without a doubt the least amount of fair and fair there's no like crazy match you've got to see it's a bunch of a single match on that show well just to give you an idea the headliner the 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 big main event is braun breaker versus joe gacy so like uh, i i don't see this yet i don't see this really going the distance we're gonna have i think carmelo hayes and um what what's the guy that we love uh top of uh straight to the moon guy um cameron grimes cameron grimes I they're like gonna those be two together yeah i mean th- those two are, and i guess sokoa is like waiting in the wings for everybody uh, i mean he's i guess the next heir apparent for that title um we are gonna get pretty deadly elton prince and kit william kit wilson versus the creed brothers brutus creed and julius creed Dude, I, I actually think they should pair pretty deadly with with Becky if they want to keep Becky a heel. I think it would be fun to have her version of like the Edgeheads. Uh, Toxic, Attra- Toxic Attraction, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane versus Katana Chance and Caden Carter for the NXT Women's uh, Tag Team Championship. Uh, Mandy Rose versus Wendy uh, Chu. I can't believe that. This is a match. That's a singles match for the that's NXT. The woman who, that's the girl who falls asleep all the time, right? Yes, it's the pillow girl. Uh, Mandy Rose versus Wendy Chu in the singles match for, for NXT Women's Championship. That is your ten. Uh, your contender is somebody who struggles with narcolepsy. And Dan just went on mute. Oh, sorry. There we your go. contender is struggling with narcolepsy. But it was perfect timing because you said narco and then it sounded like you fell asleep. It did. It's Tony D'Angelo, Channing, Stax, Lorenzo, and Troy Two Dines Donovan. Are you versus, making up these names? No, are these, these are real people. Names. This is a new stable. I guess it's Tony Sopranos like type stable uh, versus Legato del Fed Fantasma, Santano Escobar, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wild with Electra Lopez. Uh, the stipulation of this match is that the other team has to join the other team's stable. So like it, whoever what? wins has yeah I'm telling you this is this is the NXT pay per view that I will be reviewing this weekend. So if you're still watching NXT, which I think at this point it's like fucking four of you, I'm going to be doing that for something to sports entertainment. Scotty, you just came. We we just covered Hell in the Cell, the future NXT pay per view. We're going to get to Double or Nothing, um, and uh, AEW Dynamite. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Good, good. 
Well, let's get into it, dude. Our, our, the big pay-per-view of May has been my favorite AEW pay-per-view up until this year. I don't think this year was as good as it usually is. Uh, and that's uh, the uh, that's Double or Nothing 2022. What's, the, what's your initial thoughts of this uh, pay-per-view, Scott? Before we get to match to match. Um, it starts, I think it starts out lovely. I think the first hour and a half is really awesome. Maybe the first two hours. Then there's like an hour and a half that shouldn't be there. And then there's another really fun hour. So I don't know. It was long. That's for sure. There's a really awesome pay-per-view in that long pay-per-view, but it just wasn't that long pay-per-view. I think it was one of their worst attempts at a pay-per-view that AEW's done, but that's still a good pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I pretty much sign off on that. Um, yeah. Robert, what are your, what were your, what were your overall thoughts of this before we get to match, match by match? Yeah, I think overall, this show needed an editor. Um, Tony has this thing where he just wants to make people, uh, make everybody happy across the board. There were probably four matches off of this show you could have peeled off of the pay-per-view, put on Dynamite in Los Angeles, and had a really solid Dynamite. I think you could have moved Kyle O'Reilly and Darby to this show, which would have been a, a, a good you know star match. Uh, you could have saved the, the the Jade Cargill match for for this show as opposed to the pay-per-view. You could have moved that Death Triangle match here, and that would have been a, a hell of a match to give the Los Angeles crowd. Uh, and then probably taking, you know, one other match off of this as opposed to making people sit through uh, a show that was like I, I watched it the next day, but it was like four hours and 40 minutes long, which is just punishing your audience. I will say this, if you're not there, though, and you're just hanging around out and about, it, it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, I treated that whole entire Owen Hart Cup as its own show. Entire, it's like an intermission within a show. It's a show that happens in between part one and part two of Double or Nothing. That's the only way my brain was able to comprehend it. And it's a lot of fun that way. So watching it like it's gone with the wind? Yeah, it's like an exactly. intermission. You get up and there's just yeah, music. And, go, and right, class will continue tomorrow. Yeah, this could have been two nights. This definitely oddly could have enough, been two nights. Oddly enough, it, it, it could have been, yeah. Uh, well, our first match is actually the pre-show match that I saw, uh, which is uh, Hookhausen, Hook and Danhausen uh, versus Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, it was a fun match. Good placement. Um yeah, man. I mean, I I think you know Hook and Dan Housen together. It's like a big. Uh, it, it's a you know it's it's something everybody loves. I, I I do like it. I I do think that at times they should have kind of like waited a little bit to have Hook and Dan Housen go together. Like you haven't established the Hook or Dan Housen character enough yet to team them up. Uh, but you know, for a pre-show match, it was it was fun. What did you think, Scott? Yeah, man. I thought it was a blast. I was uh. I was excited about how the crowd was excited. Yeah, that's right. Robert, did you check this out? No, I saw this was a four-hour and 40-minute show and didn't seek out the pre-show. <laughs> oh, but I would I'm sure I would have liked it. It would have been fun. And it, I, I, I like those guys, and it sucks that they were not on the, uh, the L.A. Dynamite. MJF versus Wardlow, the culmination of really a two-year story. 
Um, I did like that it went first. I like that they got this out of the way, especially, you know, the big story of this match was MJF not showing up to FanFest on Saturday. People wondering if he was going to be there at all. Pull a Sasha and Naomi. That is not what happened. He showed up. He uh, the, the match was exactly what it needed to be in my mind. Just MJ, it was it, it was a better version of that Miz and Bobby Lashley match on Raw when when really the only thing you're looking at in this match is for one guy to beat the other guy and 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 in, and in wordless case really beat the shit out of Max and that's what you got, uh, Robert. What do you think of this? This was a fucking masterclass. Uh, this is how you get a guy over. Max knew what he was doing to go out there. They they built this story all weekend of the, is he going to show up? Is he not going to show up? Is it a work? Is it a shoot? Uh, and and everybody was, was all a buzz. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons people were so excited to tune into the pay-per-view. Is he going to show up and what's he going to do? And he went out there and he put Wardlow over uh, perfectly. The, the little spot where he was on his knee trying to put the uh, the ring on his finger and getting caught, letting Wardlow outsmart him in the way that they did with Batista and Triple H years ago when they had that turn. Uh, and then he just took those power bombs. He let them stretcher him out with the oxygen mask. Uh, it was it was a total annihilation in the in the best way possible. Yeah, Robert's right about that. And it was in the best way possible because it it wasn't just a total annihilation. They had these really funny moments to stall the annihilation, these heel moments that are just classic and awesome. I, I, I was in love with this match. I was worried it was just, just going to be a squash, but it was the story of how they got to the squash. And I, uh, that was so important. And it would have happened no matter what. I mean, this contract dispute, this was what was supposed to happen. MJF was not supposed to get in any real sort of offense. What he got in was what he should have gotten no matter what. I thought this rule. Young Bucks. And, and wait, and the Wardlow, the uh, Wardlow is all elite. Like, it's stupid because he's got a contract the whole time. But it is cool, man. And the crowd chanting, yeah, you deserve cool. it. It's like, this guy has had awesome moment after all. I mean, MJF this Wednesday saying he's created awesome moment. It's like Wardlow has been with MJF this whole ride. And so he has had so many awesome moments, too. And this is one of them, man. Yeah. Hopefully they pay it off the next Dynamite. Oh, wait. Uh, the Young Bucks versus the Hardy, the the Hardy Boys. Um, for me, even before going in this match, this is a just just how good are the Young Bucks match? <laughs> um, obviously, th- five years ago when it was right around that Hardy's um, return at WWE, and you had the ladder match, the Young Bucks. Uh, apparently, that was a classic. I, I didn't see it. Really for good, me, yeah. uh, the you know, for me, the story was like. I mean, the Hardys weren't very good in this match. Je- Jeff was Jeff was injured. The Bucks tried to get some stuff out of him. Uh, the, for me, the star of the match was actually Brandon Cutler. I thought he was fucking hilarious. Um, there was that epic senton to the steel steps. Um, Jeff Hardy at the end of the match, I guess he's AEW Butch because he just like runs into the crowd and then runs back. I guess they're like making fun of that live event, you know, match that he had with Drew. What did you think of this, Scott? Uh, I swear, I, lo- I loved this so much. I-, I thought, you know, a lot of it was the Bucks clearly planning out spots beforehand. And sometimes the Hardys were a little off of their cues. But for, for a Hardy Boys match, this shit ruled, man. It had at least, what, six great moments. It 
Jeff Hardy's like the Tin Man. Like he walks out and he's super stiff, and you're like, "Oh no, this is gonna suck." And he kind of does the first five or six minutes, but then he loosened up, and and I thought it was a blast. Uh, I, I I wanted to knock him the entire time, and that's why I'm saying Tin Man, because he did suck at first, but even Jeff got fun in it, and I thought Matt got fun in it, and it, it was just good shit. Robert, what do you think of this Bucks match? rule? Uh, I thought it stunk. I thought that yeah. Uh, Jeff looked lost out there to the point where I thought maybe he was fucked up. Um, it, it was, we talked about it on the preview show. If they would have kept this thing shorter and tighter, it could have gone better. This went 20 minutes or almost 20 minutes. And then the Hardys beat the young bucks. Uh, and I feel like they regretted what that, that finish was going to be. The bucks worked their ass off to make it work. Matt was directing traffic and Jeff Hardy was just not in a condition to be out there. And it, it really took away from what should have been a more fun, uh, more fun outing. But Robert, I mean, there's, there's constant moments in this match. There's constant. I mean, every 45 seconds, there's like a cool thing that happened that isn't a botch or uncomfortable. Like I even wrote in my notes, top tier WWE match because it wasn't as good as it could be because Matt and Jeff were in it and they're slower, but this was dude. And as a second match, it's like, you're not tired watching this show yet. At this point, you're going, God damn. This is, we're in for a night. I didn't love this match either. You guys are weak. Next up, we have Anna Jade versus Jade Cargill for the TBS championship. Um, what is Anna Jay's character? Oh, man, right? I, she's so uncomfortable. Somebody, like, the Dark she, Order hand claw is already uncomfortable enough, but when she does it, it you, you don't even think Dark Order. You just go, what is this confused girl doing? Yes, that's exactly what you think. Um... You know, the match was, I mean, it was a little bit better than I thought. Um, but as soon as I said that, there was like a botch. Um, the big story of this match was that Mark Sterling, I mean, obviously Jade wins. Mark Sterling is replaced by Stokely Hathaway. Uh, Athena debuts, which, I mean, kind of who cares. Um, yeah, when the ref came down, I was like, are we going to get another match? Uh, and we, we essentially got the same segment on Wednesday. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. This was kind of a mess to me, Robert. This should have been on Wednesday. Uh, if you're going to debut Athena and you're going to debut Stokely and you're going to go put a, a really lackluster match, do it on free TV, give people the, the surprise debut. And then the second surprise debut, don't put this on a pay-per-view and drag it down because even though it's seven and a half minutes, you have entrances, you have all this time after this is like 15 minutes of TV time. You didn't need on the pay-per-view. Nobody was really ordering the show for it. Anna Jay, the story was, you know, she lost before she was coming back here. She didn't improve. So she, it's not like she got better in the ring between the, the last match and this one. And Jade is not someone who can lead a match. So all it's, it's a lot of risk and, and very little reward. Uh, and yeah, then Athena, it's, it was a bunch of debuts that were like, you kind of forgot about him other than it was like, oh, it's Stokely, the guy that Dan just worked with. That's cool. Nice guy. Very uh, nice Scott, guy. Scott, what did you think of this? <laughs> I liked the debuts. I even liked the interferences in the match. I didn't like the match. I mean, we knew we weren't going to like this match. Should have been four minutes. That's it. Really should have been on Wednesday. But, yeah, this, this was a moment in the card where I went, okay, good placement, actually, if you're going to have it on the card. But then it just went, it, it went too long. And Anna Jay, man, 
even even this Wednesday, and I know we'll get to it, but I actually I, I enjoy Athena, and I was happy she showed up here, and I was happy when she walked out Wednesday, and then Anna Jay walks out, and you're like, it's a deer in headlights, especially because Athena cuts a pretty Athena and Stokely, they they both cut decent promos, and then Anna Jay comes out, and you're just like, and, and I'm like, which one of these things does not belong? Yeah, you feel like then Shara Hogan came out, and it all turned around. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, next up we have a we have a banger of a match: House of Black versus Death Triangle. Before we get to the action match, where'd the little kid come from? Are Mexican wrestlers just allowed to bring kids to the ring and then they just disappear? Um, Pac and Buddy Murphy tore it up, which we knew they were going to. You know, everybody's a great worker in this match. Um, should it have been saved for Dynamite? Yeah, arguably so, but I, I was I was glad to have seen it and. You know, the only thing I was bummed about was I kind of wish that they had, you know, like, I, I think that the reason that this match wasn't as cool as it could have been is just because we've seen incarnations of it before. Um, so it, it, it felt a little bit less than because of that. But as far as the actual in-ring work from the match, I mean, you know, like you could say what you want about the Julie Hart of it. Maybe that should have happened a couple weeks ago. Um, but the the match, the work with these that these guys are, uh, and, and just how deep the fucking AEW roster is. Because when you think of the best workers, I mean, like I guess Phoenix comes up, but the other guys don't really come up in the conversation. Scott, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I love this. This this might have been, I mean, in ring action match of the night. And this was a match that, yeah, you know what, it went long, and this is when you realized, oh no, they're going to give every match time. But it also made me realize, oh, AEW's roster is deep and I got time. Let's hang out <laughs> like this match yeah. was awesome. Every spot in this was unbelievable. There was a moment when Aleister Black was just kicking everybody's ass. And I really liked that. I thought that was a cool moment uh, that they should do more with him. Like, let it be known that he's stronger than the other two. Yeah, he's a great opponent for Punk, I think. Um, but it's oh, yeah. you know, question of what do you do with him afterwards? Robert, what did you think of this match? I love this match for us. It was a, it was a totally useless match on the show uh, in the sense that this is one that I would have put on dynamite. I would have main evented the Los Angeles dynamite with that because you've got a strong Latin audience in, in Los Angeles who's already going to be super into Penta and Phoenix. Uh, you've got some PWG style guys that are there like Brody King or, and the audience is going to go nuts for Pac. Yeah. Uh, and a bunch of devil worshipers too. You a know? bunch of, bunch of those fucking devil worshipers probably that, playing Dungeons and Dragons. And stuff. I'd probably try to sell the Mexican kid to Hillary Clinton. For that yeah. Come on. Very po- I've been watching a lot of stranger things this week, but yes. Uh, no, this they, was, they built a great heel in stranger things. They, they built did. I, I'm only a couple episodes in. Let's not spoil that, but uh, right. yes, they, they did. They built what Malik, Kai Black should be. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, this I mean, was. See, I watched the under this like past week. It's like breaking. Well, Better Call Saul was last week was awesome. We built this city was awesome. If you haven't seen that miniseries yet, it's absolutely fucking incredible. And under the banner of heaven, which kind of fell off a cliff last night. But uh, and Barry still delivering. But more importantly, uh, Malachi Black yes. delivering here. It, it killed me during this match. I mean, all these guys showed up with their working shoes, and this was kind of a, you're going to put us in a meaningless match. We're going to go out there and fucking tear it down. And I love that. The fact that Malachi Black lost to Cody the way he did and then just fell into like a feud with Fuego del Sol is ridiculous. This dude is really talented. He could be their Undertaker-style character, 
and they need to take him seriously. I think that's where they're going with this going forward. These guys were awesome. Uh, Phoenix absolutely should be a, a huge star for them. Uh, but yeah, this would have been so much better on, on dynamite where it would have gotten the proper spotlight as opposed to, Oh yeah, this match was on the show. Well, next up, Erwin Hart, uh, finals, Samoa Joe versus Adam cool. There was a very cool moment with an Owen chant in the middle of it. Look, I thought this was a decent match. I, I think that, you know, the, the feeling that I kind of had watching this match was like, Oh, they just missed their window of this being a five-star match. Um, I feel like, you know, Joe has just gotten old enough. It may be too, they didn't give it a ton of time on the card. Um, and maybe, you know, the whole Satnam Singh stuff is taken away from it. Um, but I was a little, you know, I was disappointed. I mean, I don't think, I think it was a good match. I just, I guess I expected a lot more out of it. Scott, what did you think? Uh, yeah, and I don't think that's Joe's fault either. I think there's something about Cole that's kind of, um, I, I, I don't subscribe to the he's small thing. I, I, I think he's a great smaller wrestler. I, I think he needs to be wormier. And maybe in yeah. this match, they felt like he shouldn't have been or like, I did like at the end of both of these two matches, the way that the heels were respectful because it is an Owen tournament, but yeah, Cole, Cole could be fire and he's just like hot, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's something, you know, really special, but you know, he could be doing so much more. And, and he really was in NXT. It wasn't his position in NXT. It was, his attitude, he, there, there was fire underneath him, and it, he just doesn't seem to have much fire. He seems to have a catchphrase in the, mo- in the moment, and I think he can have fire. just hasn't happened yet. Um, I think he's also like Alistair in that if he's not like the star of the show, he, it feels like they're not using him, if that makes sense. But Even though they are? Yeah, maybe. And Joe, I actually like Joe in this because Joe is in a weird position where he came in as this Ring of Honor guy, yet he gets to be in a big match because he went through this tournament. So he's in the final for that reason. So I like that, that they can showcase him without having him be in like a major feud yet. And I really don't know what they're going to do with him moving forward, but I, I, I know a lot of people thought they've done a bad job with him. I, th- I think they've done a good job with him. They put him on the card and it made sense, you know? He, he's not big enough to come in like Punk and be like, who am I going to challenge? Unfortunately, right. we think, you know, sometimes we think he is, but well, not. I mean, I think that's another thing where it's just so many companies have bungled that impact yeah, yeah. that impact deserves the most blame in anybody, you know, like with, because they had him at his prime and they fucked it up and they had a big star. Yeah, man. Hand. And Joe, Joe and his prime was better than than everybody. Yeah, especially after that angle feud. I mean, impact really fucked it up. He wasn't the same when he came to NXT. I thought he had a good run there. But yeah, it's just I mean, that's all on impact. Robert, what do you think of this match? Uh disappointing given who was in it uh i think yeah you're right dan it, a different time a different period this would have been fine having joe wrestle with the idea that he has the hurt arm or shoulder from the Sutton saying thing limits what he could do in the ring which was unfortunate i i kind of disagree a little bit with scott about the respectfulness of it this should have had a clean finish you already have joe going in injured it should have been a straight like adam cole beats him 
even though he's a heel and and whatever, it's your finals for this particular tournament. It's one where you didn't need the the Bobby Fish interference uh, at, at the end, especially if our company doesn't use interference. I think you already told the story that Joe was going in injured, that Cole could have beat him clean. Um, it, it it didn't fully click. It was it was fine. Uh, it but and that's kind of how I feel about a lot of the Owen tournament matches. They were just kind of. It was just fine. I thought the best match was um, probably Dax and Cole. Dax, yeah. yeah. Although although Hardy and Darby was was fun. Um, all right, next up we have for the women's final, Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker. Um, it was cool that Rancid was there, but you immediately realized that Ruby Soho was not as over as she was because she comes out and there's there's a noticeably, you know, there's a noticeable drop in excitement from Britt Baker and Rancid to her. Uh, match was slow in the beginning, but picked up. This was a complaint throughout the entire fucking show, but can someone do a proper sharpshooter? No. Everybody, everybody's sharpshooter looks like shit. The closest was Punk, and he, and he's not even, like, close to the top worker in that company, like, in ring. I mean, obviously, he is the top guy, but... Um, I, I did like the finish. It was a very Owen Hart, you know, WrestleMania 10 type finish. Um, the, you know, I thought the celebration, Tony and, and Adam Cole have a, like a fun dynamic. There was part of me that was like, when Martha came out dressed as the Royal Wedding, there was part of me that was like, okay, are they going to do like, a, are they going to really pull the fucking, I mean, the real, the real pulling the trigger on making these two huge fucking heels which they weren't going to do. And I don't even know if it's a good idea if they did it, but if they did a double super, super kick to Martha at the end of that, I Daniel, mean, no, I know. <laughs> it's fucked and up. the hat just flies off. The hat, but how fucking dude, I mean, they would be, they would, man, that's heat brother. Scott, what did you think of this match? That, that would be heat, man. Yeah. I thought this match just should have been shorter. It was, it's a lot like the pay-per-view. It, uh, it would have been great if it was sh- shorter, but it wasn't, and so it was good. Robert, what do you think of this match? Uh, yeah, they, they killed Ruby when they put her in that match with Rampage against Chris Statlander, and the crowd all wanted Chris Statlander to close out Rampage. Like they, Dude, they even were Athena, like Athena this night, which they, they popped like crazy, but I was worried because everybody's so behind Statlander. That oh no, they she might outshine her in this moment as they as they should. Um, honestly, the, the better she's finish she's improved a lot, man. She really Who, Statlander. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's, man, she's, she's getting shit. really good. She was uh, always she, good. It was just you know there was a weirdness, and then the alien thing was kind of a bomb. Yes. Yeah. But I think what you what here, Brit wins. But like so, Ruby Soho has come in. She loses a Grand Slam. She can't win a title. She's lost all of her big matches. She's on this stage, and then she loses. It would have been more interesting for her to win. And then during Martha's presentation, you have Britt come out and attack Ruby. And there's where your heat is. Like She disrespected the, the presentation of the trophy and, and all that other nonsense. And then you have somewhere to go instead of Britt wins because Ruby can't get it done, and now she's just another person on the roster. I, I like- actually think I don't because I, I, I'd want Ruby to have her moment, but I do like the idea of Ruby and Adam having to pose together. Yeah. And then yeah. like in, in the next few weeks, you know, it's it's Brit being like, oh, you have to go hang out with Ruby. And he's like, no, I don't. And she, you know, and like just Brit being <laughs> jealous for no reason. Just oh, that's funny. Yeah. But well, they didn't do that. But well. 
I mean, you know, like I think you guys are are bringing a, a, an interesting thing to the match on like a micro, macro level, where um, you know, you're not looking at the actual characters in AEW or the booking. You're like, okay, uh, this is the first Owen Hart tournament. Uh, it's for a man and a woman. Martha's in back. Martha and Owen have this incredible love story. So you have this, you know, this real life couple in AEW win both, but. You know, I don't know if that was the best thing for the storylines of the company, but it was it was the best look for the tournament. That's what I'm except trying to they're say. dastardly heels that we're supposed to hate. Yeah, yeah but no. so was Owen, you know. So yeah, so was I mean that, that that's on a macro I, on one level, I think it was very and a lot of people thought he was too small. So yeah. Uh Paul was a lot smaller, but giant AEW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A America top team, uh, which is uh, Scorpius guy and Ethan Page and uh, Page Van Zant versus uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti dressed as Disney supervillains and Frankie Kazarian. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, this was just uh, I mean, them coming out with the belts was like a heel. This was just kind of disappointing because Page was not that good. They should have put her in the ring with somebody who knew she was doing more. And she's a good character. She's got a ton of charisma. So they, they put her in a position I think they thought was going to be a better position, but it, it, it should have happened on a dynamite or something. And um, yeah, you, this is a, def, a match you definitely did not need. Scott, what did you think of this? Yes, off the bat, it was like I enjoyed part one of Double or Nothing. I enjoyed the intermission action of the Owen Hart Cup tournament and its ceremony. And then part two came and I was excited for it. And then it was this match. And I was like, that's not really a great start to part two of my Double or Nothing enjoyment. And dude, a match with Paige, who, you know, she did a, a good job given it's her first match, right? Yeah, but, first match. But yeah. but you do what you did with Ronda her first few matches where you plan out everything perfectly, but you stick it. You, you make sure you don't forget. You make sure you don't stumble and you stick it. You plan out the match. This match was way too long to plan out. And so it just wasn't very good. And the, and Sammy and uh, like, what is it even? What are they doing? The I don't know. It's so it, annoying, it, man. It may be more annoying than Cody and Brandy, which is you think the uh, idea is they're like an annoying Disney couple, and then so the Garganos are gonna show up because they're like a fun Disney couple, and it's gonna be a Disney couple feud. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you know, yeah, I mean maybe a Hanna Barbera couple, but definitely not, you know, <laughs> prestige of a Disney. Robert, what did you think of this match? Holy god, did this suck? Um, <laughs> this was a a on so many levels, a clusterfuck. Uh, we you know, talked about it on the preview show. It's like you're gonna put Paige Van Zant in her debut match on pay per view with no hype whatsoever, which is I hate to do the WWE comparison. They would never have done that. She's a mainstream star. There's someone you could have gotten out in front of and promoted this for several weeks instead of a last minute addition to the show. Uh, nobody knew if they were baby faces or heels. Frankie Kazarian was attacking Sammy at one point. Then he was attacking Scorpio. That made zero sense whatsoever. They added the stupid stipulation that now Kaz and, and Sammy are not allowed to challenge uh, for the TNT title while Scorpion's champ, which is like, why are we putting this into this? Uh, the, the whole thing was an absolute mess. It went on forever. This should again... This is another one that should have been in Los Angeles. You put it in front of a, a different crowd. You hype up the page debut. 
you mask what she can or cannot do in the ring uh, instead of this, where some of these guys legitimately hate one another and you're putting them all in a match and it's not going to look pretty. All right. Well, next match, this is actually my match of the night. I wish it had gone longer or been on a different show. Uh, Darby Allen versus Kyle O'Reilly. Dude, there is a spot in this. Uh, the suicido to a guillotine to the guillotine from Kyle O'Reilly is like my favorite spot of the night. Uh, I probably would have had Darby go over, but it was a very good match. Um, it was, and to give you an idea too, it was only it was less than ten minutes, and they woke they woke the crowd up. Scott, what did you think of this match? Scott's on mute. Banger, Robert. and we're back. No, no, I'm back. Okay, so <laughs> this was a match that when they came out. At this point, I had gone, no, we don't need it, though. We don't need it. And then it was great. It was great, and it was short enough. And it did get the crowd hyped. I, I liked it a lot, a lot, a lot. It, and, I'm not, again, I'm not crazy about Kyle O'Reilly, and I wasn't even a big NXT fan. He really reminds me of NXT, and maybe that's my fault because he is a Ring of Honor guy and a New Japan guy. But uh, it's hard to get over that NXT hurdle, and I thought this was phenomenal. Darby losing, uh, okay, let's see where we go with it, but phenomenal. I think Tony thinks that those undisputed guys are a bigger deal than they are. Also, this is the point. Well, yes, that's very true. He definitely does. Uh, and it, and it kind of comes off like he was a very big NXT fan, which is kind of odd. But uh, this was also the point where now I, this was Sunday night and I was out, man. So, you know, the main event was on at like whatever, 12 something, and it didn't bother me. But at this point, it's 11 something. And Mike is starting to text us the time like uh, like he's our mom and we have our friends over in the basement. <laughs> hey, man, he's it's like not, it's 11. It's, it's 1110 11, right now. It's a it's look, a work it's night. Not- it's not Mike enjoying something unless he can also kind of hate it. <laughs> yeah. It really yeah. felt like my mom texting me from upstairs that my <laughs> friends had to leave soon. And, and how could it still be going on this long? Yeah. <laughs> your, your sister has soccer tomorrow. <laughs> Robert, what do you think of this match? Uh, this is, yeah, I sound like a broken record. This should have been on dynamite. This was a great match that got lost in a card. Uh, where it became forgettable. This is one where I feel like if AEW, you know, in 10 years time were to put together like a, a, you know, a DVD or whatever of lost hidden gems, this would be on it. This was a really good match that was buried. It, it was, it came out of nowhere from Friday's show that they announced it on the card. It was 10 minutes at a point in time where like Scott said, like this show was already kind of dragging a little bit. I'm like, I don't need another match. It was a hell of a match. I really enjoyed it. But as we saw in Dynamite, it meant nothing. It was a good match in a bubble that nothing really came of it. Uh, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it reminded people that Kyle O'Reilly is a good wrestler and Darby can wrestle matches where he's not just, you know, getting thrown off ladders. But uh, yeah, it was uh, a a lot. Uh, Serena Deeb. Goes up against Thunder Rosa. Um, <laughs> I love, I love this. I love the deep theme. I will say this: I thought this match was was started out great. It did feel like a a Dean Lego match. I do think it was one of the better AEW women's matches. Um, That's not the, that. That's not being mean, Dan. Well, the, the the only problem was that for as good as this match was, the uh, the program leading up to it was so much of a miss. 
that I think it was hard for people to really get into this. Dude, that was the issue. So, so you already have like, you know, you have a match in the, in the Sammy Guevara match, you have a match that people are already upset with the way the TNT title is being booked. They're upset with this feud. So even if it's good, the crowd doesn't give a shit as much as they could. Then the Darby O'Reilly match, which is, which is fantastic, but has nothing behind it. And then this match, which again, it was a very good match and one of the better AEW women's matches, but you didn't care about the feud at all. So it's just felt like you were kind of being pushed away from the show in a sense, but you know what I, you know what you could take it as, as relaxing before the main event. (laughs) Positive spin, Scott Chapman, Robert, what did you think? How much relaxation does Scott need while watching a show? Like, (laughs) Holy, like I'm like Meltzer, man. I do curls, you know. You know, Meltzer does curls during Raw. That's why he's huge. Yes, and if you did curls during the downtime of this show, you'd be fucking jacked. <laughs> uh, this match was Dude, fine. I just saw a picture of Meltzer's arms during that weekend. He's big. He's getting big. Yeah, he he does push-ups during like the commercial breaks of Raw. That's like a real thing, apparently. And knowing how many commercial breaks there are during Raw, like he's, exactly. he's going to be a he's, he's going to be beast. huge. Yeah, he's he's going to be a beast. Two uh, hours the, and 45 minutes of a yeah. fucking night. <laughs> uh, crowd didn't really care about this that much, which took away from it. I think if they were hot for it and they really wanted to see Rosa retain, there were really no stakes in it outside of just the uncomfortable Jim Ross comments about Serena Deeb during it, which is kind of the fun of a Serena Deeb match at this point. Uh, otherwise, I don't need to see these two wrestle ever again. I don't need to see Serena Deeb wrestle ever again. She's technically proficient, Robert. but boring <laughs> i wouldn't mind seeing her in japan Start yes in. send her to japan then i don't <laughs> have to see her <laughs> all right next up we have one of the bigger matches of the night anarchy in the arena starts <laughs> out very promising in my mind justin roberts had a fun introduction jericho appreciation society dressed as fucking late 90s backstreet boys was was awesome um i did really enjoy the music playing throughout in the beginning and then the music stopped and you kind of realize this match is a mess. I mean, the metaphor of the match for me is like the walls of Jericho through the table. It's just looking like just like two old guys falling through a table. Um, you know, props to Daniel Bryan, Brian Danis and Daniel Bryan, um, who I thought he came out and I thought like, oh, this is a different type of match because he's dressed like an outs- like he's in the outsiders. It feels like a, a fight, but um you know, man, I mean, look, Eddie Kingston coming out with that fucking with the gasoline after Jericho lit him on fire backstage and, and us just knowing Eddie may not even have a girlfriend and they're making it up or a wife and they're ma- and they're bringing all these fictional weird things in the I mean, for me, I just I, for me, this was kind of like, you know, this was like that Lambert match part two. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Oh, no, I got a kick out of this match. Well, first off, so, you know, people call me an AEW mark, but I steal all my shit, okay? I don't give them as much money as most. And I thought that my feed was fucked up because the music kept playing. And I was like, how is it possible that the music, like, what kind of feed is this that I'm getting? And then I realized what was happening. And I thought, ooh, fun. And it was fun. And then I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of nauseous. I got like nauseous with the repetitive of uh, repetitiveness of it. And because there was a lot of scrambling uh, and I was a little confused about what exactly the match was supposed to be. 
And then the last few minutes, I actually really enjoyed it. There were some really cool high spots. The, the, it, the final image was awesome. Dude, Brian. you know what it literally felt like? It felt like, and it was such a long show, it felt like the seventh inning stretch. It felt like a moment where they were like, all right, everybody in the crowd, we're going to play wild thing and just sway back and forth. Like It felt like an activity for everybody to be involved in so they could get pumped for the main event, which I think is really cool. Uh, it just, again, like a lot of the matches should have been shorter. I like the Kingston moment with the, I like his dramatic moments. I think he should be the guy. I who like has, his dramatic moments. I thought this was just a little bit too much. Yeah. But. I think he should always be, you know, he should always be in like screaming Stella mode, you know? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And Stella is the name of a sandwich and he's yelling it outside <laughs> of a deli. Yeah. It's, it's the Godfather at an Astoria yeah. deli. Yeah. It's uh, the number seven. I'll have the Stella. <laughs> oh man, nobody wants to see him without a shirt on, though. Robert, uh, what did you think of this match? Oh man, I love this. This was just the fucking. I'm joking. No, this was. Uh, <laughs> this was, was. Here's the deal. This, this was. No, I had so much fun watching parts of this because this was a break from having to watch. Uh, a Thunder Rosa Serena Deeb match like this was just a wild out of control clusterfuck uh, and I'm hoping that because they are the sports entertainers this was super meta with the billion and one camera cuts every 30 seconds like they were intentionally trying to make fun of WWE and not Tim Walbert the director of this putting on one of the most embarrassing pro wrestling displays ever in an already <laughs> blocked show it's like they didn't know where to cut and the, 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 the highlight of this was not the frustration of Eddie Kingston coming out with a gas can. It was Jim Ross trying to call this match, but you can only do it by the monitor. And him getting so angry with how quickly they were cutting was becoming increasingly fantastic. Like, I thought he was going to fucking lose it. And Jim Ross actually pissed me off when because Kingston, when he came out with the gas tank, and they were like, oh, it's a gas tank with gasoline. And he's like, it could be something else, maybe. And it's like, no, no, you, yeah, it's no. obviously supposed to be gasoline. Uh, it, it's these guys. I mean, some. I feel like everyone was in a different match. Like it was like proud and powerful wind up getting stuck with Hager, which kind of sucked. And then Danielson was having more trouble fighting the tarp covering chairs than anything else. Uh, <laughs> and then Danny Garcia was like, watching him and Eddie Kingston like in that in that little vomitorium fighting each other was a fucking blast and they're covered in blood and they're like they don't know that's not even Eddie Kingston's blood that he's covered in like that was really fun but this what is his character is like he's like dweeb that you have to respect because he's also good at fighting you know he's like the little brother that like you reluctantly let ta tag along because he's he's just proven himself well yeah, yeah he's, no he's, he's like butch. he's like he's too young to realize he's too talented uh he's yeah. nick jonas and then and then you have this like finish which was you know danielson and kingston fighting one another and you're setting up something kind of interesting and then they don't talk about it on dynamite yeah hey, we'll they'll get, get to it they'll get i know to they'll it. you'll get the, the audience has a, has a short attention span danielson phenomenal in this though and that ending i thought actually really great I love that Danielson looked cool. He looked like when he joined the Wyatt family and they switched yeah. up his look and he looked like he looked really badass. I loved, I loved that. Um, this match, yeah, the, the playing the music in the beginning, like it was a gangsters match in ECW was fine. I like that they paid it off with Jericho destroying the uh the soundboard. That was a clever bit. Uh they yeah. mapped out a good match. I would have loved to have seen like I picture like 
the Charlie Day meme from like it's always sunny with all like the the post-it notes yeah. and wires of how they map this thing out. Uh, but this was this was a lot. And you know what? And just talking about it now, I'm thinking about this. This made me kind of miss um, the inner circle just because Sammy in a match like this makes a match like this better. He creates like three insane moments in a match like this. In any other match, look, he's a great wrestler, but there's something missing. There's not a connection. When he's in a, when he's in a match with four guys, he's, one, he's, he's like he's top tier, one of the best parts of the night. So, but you know what? Yeah. At least I watched this and I'm like, I, I never need to see these guys wrestle again. <laughs> um, all right. Next up, we have some we have some backstage segments. We have the announcement of Roosh oh, signing fuck. with AEW. He shakes Andrade's hand. I don't know. Are they forming an alliance? Of course, just- man. Hey, <laughs> Los Ingobernables, uh, Robert, what's yeah. the issue with Roosh? Because I like Roosh a lot as a wrestling fan. I, I had, uh, but I heard now. Look, some I, I saw someone say a thing basically like because of the MJF issue with Tony Khan this weekend, they were like, and, and then Roosh debuted, and they were like, oh boy, between MJF and Roosh, Tony Khan is going to have his hand his hands full. Yeah. So what does that uh, mean? So I'm I'm only going to use a microcosm of my own my own dealings, but uh, in, in dealing with him in MLW, and and we were bringing him in, and we were going to make a big thing out of him. And then he, behind our backs, signed with, with Ring of Honor while telling us, like, we have a deal, we're good, we're going forward. Uh, he's one of those guys that just has one of those reputations in the business of you can't fully trust him. Um, and I think bringing in him with Andrade, once you get Santos Escobar and you can do the Spider-Man meme with the three of them, it's all going to pay off. Otherwise, <laughs> this was like the this was the ultimate Tony Khan uh, is so in like a niche within a niche within a niche of who it was. I don't know that the majority of the audience knows who Roosh is. Some people know him from Ring of Honor. Some people know him from AAA, but he was not some major reveal on a pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm excited to see him with Andrade because I think they'll work really well together. Especially I mean, he's if, better than the Butcher and the Blade. Sure, sure. Especially if they're rushing this, though, for Forbidden Door because they are a part of Los Ingobernables. Rooshing. <laughs> Backstage, we see Dante Martin. <laughs> Dante Martin challenged Scorpio Sky to a rampage match. Who cares? No, uh, wait. I, this is why I care. Dante Martin is taller than Scorpio Sky. Yeah, he's a tall guy. That's kind triple, of crazy. Triple threat tag team titles. Look, there was some fun stuff in this, but it was just so fucking late. I mean, Keith and Swerve had some great spots. Ricky's rope uh, rope walk is great. It reminds me of Pee Wee dancing to tequila. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, the match picked up. It was, it was, I thought it was a little bit of a sloppy finish with Jurassic Express, but I mean, it's just, again, it's like, you don't need this fucking match. Um, you know, what's the rule that says you have to have the tag titles on the pay-per-view? I, I didn't know if there's a rule for that, especially like, you know, when you have the young bucks in a bigger match, which I think is the problem is that like Jurassic Express just kind of looks minor it looks like they're just having the titles until they can do the christian jungle boy feud and uh there's just so many other teams on that roster the young bucks ftr uh danielson and 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 brian uh, danielson and sorry moxley that just it, they just feel so much bigger the wingmen press uh the wingmen what do you think of this match robert 
it was a it was a good match that needed a better home. Um, yeah, you, you yeah. the crowd did not need a twenty minute tag match uh, with with teams that are in various degrees thrown together with Strickland and uh, Keith Lee and the Team Taz thing. You, you did, nobody was going to be cheated. Nobody was going to feel like, you know, I was owed this. And at the same time, you know, Jim Ross always talked about, you know, guys have to earn their pay-per-view spots. I don't know what these guys did to really earn this slot on the show. I think the match delivered. It was a very solid match, but it was again, a solid match that took away rather than added because people just wanted to get to the main event and go home. And you felt that in the audience. Scott, what do you think of this match? You got to fight for your right. To, dude, I was rebelling at this point. No. Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I was wide awake. Uh, the, the way I first viewed this, though, was Yes, because you've course. rested during five of these matches. Well, yeah, that's very true. But also, you know, my original intake of this match was I was out and about. And so having this match, I just got to see it for what it was in that moment. And I got to watch this one live. And the spots were really amazing, and it was a lot of fun. So hold on. I now, want to clarify. When you say out and about, like, were you at a bar that was showing this, or were you watching this on your phone when you were supposed oh, to be out oh, with no, people? Oh, no, no, no. First, yeah, I'm out with people, and then, okay. you know, you go check on your phone. But in this moment, everybody, by this point, you know, people were just very much sinking into couches. So I got to watch this entire match, and it was great. Then on when I viewed the entire show as a whole – I understand why you'd go, oh, my God, hurry, hurry the fuck up. No, this shouldn't have happened. Well, I'll tell Mike's story. This shouldn't have happened. It's that some other matches shouldn't have happened. Well, and that's where I'm going to tell Mike's story this for him. Match he's not happened. on here. Yeah. Mike talked about how he had people over for Double or Nothing, and he had people who were leaving because they're like, I didn't realize this thing was going until, like, 1230 at night. Like, I got stuff to do. And they left before – I don't know at what point they left, but they definitely left before the main event. And from that perspective, it kind of sucks. Like you can't, you want to make this an event. You want to make it fun. You, if you have friends that you can invite over to do this, nobody wants to hang out with their friends for five hours. That's well, a no, long fucking also, time. Think, think about this. Mike had to do the removing of the championship belt from his action, hangman action figure. <laughs> he had to do that by himself this time. Yeah. No one that got is, to that record him do it. Because Adina left too. Yeah, uh, she also, and the dog. She said, I'm taking the dog. <laughs> We have uh, our main event, Adam Page for CM Punk. This almost had the opposite problem in my mind of the uh, Hangman Page, Adam Cole match, where it was like, Hangman Page, Adam Cole. It's like, you know, th these amazing moves, but not a lot of intrigue surviving, uh, surrounding the match. While this had a ton of intrigue around the match and it told a good story. I mean, I think we were kind of waiting to see a CM Punk heel turn. They're not ready to do that because of merchandise, which I guess makes sense. Um but, uh, you know, like the, the story of the match, it was it was about Hangman Page beating himself. And, and the reason he beat himself is because he wasn't able to turn heel. He wasn't able to do that thing that Kenny Omega did and, and hit and hit CM Punk with the belt. And because of that, he gets distracted, gets put out with the GTS. And we get a CM Punk championship um, reign. You know, I thought it was a sloppy match that told a good story. That's kind of where I landed. Scott, what did you think? Yeah, I don't think it was as sloppy as, as maybe you're saying, but Punk did fumble a bit. The, the good thing about him fumbling is he's so good at acting like... He can tell a story, yeah. Yeah, he can tell a story so damn well. And, and I, I this is my favorite like incarnation of Punk. And I, I liked the match a lot. Uh, I was expecting a heel turn the whole time. And so 
when you expect a thing and it doesn't happen, there is a sense of disappointment, but it was a really good match. Yeah. Uh, Robert, and yeah, you... Hangman, you know, lost to himself and hopefully they, they, they tell that story for him. How, however they are going to. Robert, what do you think of this match? This felt a lot like a WWE match in which the, the destination was what you cared about as opposed to the journey. You wanted to get to the end. You wanted to see who's going to win. Is it going to be a punk heel turn? Is it going to be a, a hangman heel turn? What, what finish are you getting to? And then you're just watching the match kind of like, all right, let's get to it as opposed to savoring the match along the way. The match itself was fine. I don't think anyone's going to really go out of their way to go back and watch this again um, outside of Scott, who probably watched it three or four times. But, you know, for, for the average person, they're not going to go run out and be like, oh, man, you, you really got to see this match. It's you want to know the story of the finish, of the match. And, this, and that's why it felt like some of the WrestleMania matches we had seen where that was more important than the than the match itself. What was weird was, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the whole story going into it on Punk's side was no matter what happens at the end of this match, you're going to shake my hand. And then they just abandoned that. Well, maybe they realized they fucking did this almost exact same thing with Cole. But, but they told it like multiple times, like a, a, every promo was like, you're going to shake my hand, you're going to shake my hand. So I'm waiting after the match ended. I'm like, are we going to get something here? Is Punk going to be a dick about it? Is Cole going to be a dick about it? Like, what's going to happen? And then they just didn't, they didn't do it. Yeah, to me, um, I almost thought they, they were going to do a heel turn and didn't because of the MJ. Something about the MJF thing over the weekend soured the weekend in a weird way. And I remember going into the night not wanting Punk to turn heel for some weird reason. And that's just me also like feeling away and why the hell would they feel that way? But it, it, it did feel like it was missing something important at the end. And that was like the conclusion of the story. It didn't have to be a hill turn, even though I wanted it to be, but yeah, something acknowledge the handshake. Uh, I don't know. Instead of just a celebration and hangman disappearing. Well, next up we have our dynamite or dud review which arguably the biggest thing to happen in wrestling did happen on Dynamite this week. Hour one, FTR and CM Punk versus the Ass Boys and Max Caster. CM Punk versus Tanahashi. I'm, I'm sorry, at the end of it, I'm sorry, CM Punk and, and, and Tanahashi stare down. So we're going to get that at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, that main event. Uh, the MJF pipe bomb, uh, a Miro backstage promo, and then Miro versus Johnny Elite. Uh, Jericho appreciation segment where Regal announced blood and guts, which is kind of worth it just to hear Regal say uh, blood and guts, the beginning of a, and the beginning of a very good 10 man tag team match. Um, Scott, what did you think of this first hour? I, I was madly in love with this first hour. This, this I, shit rolled hard, man. Yeah. Opening match ruled. It was a blast. And, and I mean, both teams were fun. And, you know, you look at this on paper and you go, oh, no, the ass boys, you know, and um or the gun club or whatever and uh, max caster and uh, anthony bowens but then you remember that these guys are so much fun and max caster is unbelievable anthony bowens is a blast and they got the ass boys over the ass boys are over in a really weird way and it's actually fun to watch and something we didn't mention about double or nothing was they did like a little sketch with them that was kind of like the hangover and it actually worked it didn't yeah. suck yeah, which was surprising. So it was okay, but yeah. No, I uh, said it didn't it suck. Funny. You know, those things usually suck. Yeah, it felt uh, kind of authentic that like these are young guys that kind of would embarrass themselves, unlike 
you know, having Jericho do it or something. But, <laughs> um, but that match ruled the, the MJF thing. Come on. I mean, we'll talk about it. And then, yeah, what was after that? Johnny and Miro. Loved that. My God, Miro. Fantastic. I want to see less of Johnny, honestly. I just, I, I know he's good. It's just, I like seeing different new young guys. But yeah, this hour was, was top tier shit. Really unbelievable. And that Rob, 10 man was awesome too. Robert, what do you think of this first hour? This was a, uh, a, a perfect game. Uh, every segment worked. The, the Punk and FTR match with the Ass Boys was a blast. Uh, the audience had a lot of fun with Punk it. Punk did botch a couple things, but yeah. Oh, you know, he, he definitely botched stuff in it, but that's part of the charm of Punk. Like It's the same thing with like Cena. You're not going to get a clean match. It's just going to be fun. They're, they're so similar in how they write, which people don't bring up enough, where I'm like, John Cena and CM Punk, like, they both try to do these moves they can't fully do, but they're amazing at telling a story. You know, the thing but, that yeah, the, the thing that kind of took away a little bit was part of the reason why I was so excited for Punk to win the AEW title and kept pushing for it is make the title front and center. The show should have opened with Punk at least acknowledging that he's the champion and talking and then bringing out FTR and doing the six man and make a big deal about like I'm your champion. The title is the focal point because uh, it is a big deal that CM Punk is your champion and it's a big deal throughout this entire show that you're in Los Angeles, which is a major city that you're debuting in. You're in front of a lot of the Warner executives. You want to put your best foot forward. It should have been, a, you know, some sort of a, a, a punk promo to, to kick it off. The crowd wasn't really like over the moon for Tanahashi. Um, Jim Ross was trying to explain I, I who he was. I, I, people were, people who know him were excited, but like Jim Ross was trying to position him as, you know, he's like sting. And it was it's kind of odd because that's what you're gonna have to do for a lot of these matches going into this pay-per-view is educating your audience as to who these guys are and recasting them as other people uh the mjf thing we'll talk about is a totally separate thing uh the johnny elite miro thing miro's promo was fantastic uh his delivery he followed the mjf promo which was such a smart idea because the promo that he cut they were like how do you follow an mjf promo Oh, you do something completely different. You do you something just, completely different, and he don't just do a shoot. You do the work promo of like this character cutting a promo. He just knocked it out of the fucking park. This idea of like, I you know, I'm here to like take gods home, and it was it was awesome. His match with with Morrison or Elite or whatever, like he's Johnny's a really talented wrestler. He's he's really good at making other people look good, and he made Miro look like a, a billion dollars. And then the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff with was it was I mean that was that was fine. Now you're getting uh, blood and guts after Anarchy in the Arena, which feels like a, a, a rehash. I'm guessing uh, that Danielson won't be in it, and they'll replace him with uh, with Yuta, since they're teasing that whole Kingston thing. And now we're getting a, a hair versus hair match with uh, Jericho and Ortiz. So I guess Jericho's shaving his head again. You think uh, so? You think it'll be Jericho? I mean, I think it should be Jericho because that'll be more fun. That that means more. Like honestly, I didn't realize Ortiz had hair. It's not. It doesn't mean I anything mean, to yeah. his character. Well, it would be funny to see Jericho have a different wig every week and act like it's not a wig. That would be that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, um. All right, let's get to the second hour. Uh, which uh, is- we're good. 
kind of fell off a fucking cliff. Uh, we get the end of the 10 man tag match. Uh, then we get Wardlow versus JD Drake. And then what appears to be the beginning of a Wardlow Mark Sterling program. Uh, a, a Keith Lee Swerve promo backstage, which just felt like they were announcing Swerve's latest album. An Athena promo followed by Stokely coming out. Um, Britt and Jamie Hayter versus Ruby Soho and Tony Storm with Ruby getting the surprise win over, over Britt. And John Moxley versus Danny Garcia. I mean, this was just, uh, you know, they just front-loaded the show, and the second hour was just felt like fucking Rampage. What do you think of this, Scott? Well, I, I have a, I mean, where where exactly did it feel like? Okay, so the, the end of the 10-man uh, tag Wardlow was great, Sterling. right? They botched the Wardlow. You know what it was for See, me? I don't think they did botch it. I, I think this was so fun, and it's it continues a storyline for, for, again, a guy who can't wrestle. It, like, you get to have fun with this lawyer issue, and he still gets to destroy people. Wait, wait, it who, makes who sense. can't who can't wrestle? Wardlow. Why can't Wardlow wrestle? He's not. He can't. He's not a very good wrestler. He's not a very good pro wrestler. He isn't that great, but he could get better. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just don't. I think it's a waste to do the. You're just doing a lesser version of the MJF thing, but no, no. I mean, one, you don't know how long it is, but. Right. It gave him an excuse to murder guys. It followed through, uh, you know, in a story. And you get these little Wardlow segments as opposed to Wardlow matches, which I, I do don't think, think we important. want. I, I think each I, week I, it should be a, 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 a segment that, you know, because a match that is so short that you could have a segment after it. And that's what Wardlow should be, always. I, they, they should just rip Goldberg, rinse and repeat. Robert, what did you think of the second hour? Uh, the, uh, the, the eight man tag was fine, but kind of, you know, it was kind of pointless. I think there were better matches from dynamite where from the pay-per-view so we could have filled in there. Uh, the swerve and Keith Lee thing was a nice reminder of what it was like when we had swerve on the podcast and he just kept naming all the people around him that like, so it turns out that one dude well, with him looks like the old guy from uncut gems I'm so like, the, the old guy because we're posted this on his facebook page like that dude is a major major fashion guy and all his pictures was like him with spike lee him with jay-z he designs custom stuff for them and then it's him with swerve it, it was not presented well on this show uh and that kind of sucked uh as did the athena jade well, yeah, can i just interrupt you there like if that's the guy's history why not do a whole thing about Swerve's fucking outfit? You know, that's my like, fucking point, though. You, you, that should have been a video package that you hype up who this guy is. You show the pictures of like he is designed for the top, you know, actors and and movie stars and rappers, and that's who Swerve is associated with, and it makes yeah. him feel like a big deal as opposed to you know, hey, here are these guys I'm here with. Like he's accepting an MTV VMA. Um, <laughs> the Athena Stokely thing, like it sucked, especially when they tried to do the pull apart. And nobody was fighting each other, and Stokely was trying to hold people back, and no one was moving. And Anna J was the reason was Anna J was holding up that claw hands, and everyone was just too petrified to make a move. That's what it is. Uh, Wardlow was not over here for the first time. Uh, they, 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 them opening with no music and him backstage just open with him coming out to music. And and the thing is, this this whole stupid thing with the class action lawsuit. The, the easier fix for this, if you really want to be a dick about it, because they brought Wardlow out. And the thing that struck me the strangest is they had him ranked number one. And what Sterling should have said was those wins are property of MJF. 
and you and you don't you don't get them and you start with a zero zero record. That way you have Wardlow just crushing guys for the next few months on different shows and just winning squash matches like a Goldberg to build back up his record. That would have made more sense than all right, now that now there's gonna be security guards following the clash. Like this is WWE bullshit. Hey, what one of the funniest things in that match though was the commentator, like one of the commentators tried to put over JD Drake's strength. Because, like, clearly J.D. Drake was just going to get mowed down in this. Um, and, and that was, like, the one bit of offense he got was was the announcers trying to put him over. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just didn't, you know, the whole, the whole thing just felt like, you know, like, even the Garcia and Moxley match, I'm just like, it just feels like I've seen this before. Even well, maybe- you didn't need the match because you already had the Kingston segment earlier in the show setting up blood and guts. Yeah. So you already had your Jericho, you already had your Jericho appearance. You already had your Eddie Kingston stuff. You already set up the match. Instead, your main event was like everything on here, a foregone conclusion. You had a Wardlow squash. You had, uh, you know, the, the Garcia squash. It, it, there weren't a lot of interesting matches. The strangest thing about this, uh, especially for this, the, this show is you're again, you're in Los Angeles. You're in a major market. You're in front of the Warner people. There was no sting. There was no Brian Danielson. There's no Hangman Page. There's no Lucha Bros. You're not putting a lot of your strong IP Lucha Bros out were there. on Dark. The, no, no. Dark? Who gives a fuck about Dark? Well, they were on Dark. I'm, right, well, but the you, crowd, this is, the this live is Dynamite, crowd. but you want the audience to see this and see how big of stars they can look like. No, today. listen. Fuck LA. It's one. It's not a real city. It's a desert that they laid fake grass on. Yes. It's trash. LA is the second biggest media market in the United States, which says a lot about it's the United irrelevant. States. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> truly irrelevant. But you 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 still should have put on. I think you 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 paid all this money for these big stars. Wheel them out when you're in a big uh, a, a big market. Though I do like that they cut to uh, you have Macaulay Culkin in the crowd, uh, which was <laughs> funny because Macaulay Culkin was sitting with Freddie Prince Jr. They didn't show Freddie. Uh, and then Vince Vaughn with Paul Walter Hauser, and they announced Vince Vaughn and not Paul. He's in a new show for WWE. He probably was like, don't put me on camera. I, they got him the tickets. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i just saying, it's like... Yeah, but who cares? Hey, I mean, can, uh, can we at least say this about the show, which, which I, I approve of and like? Um, it does what every Dynamite after a major pay-per-view does, which it had matches sucks. that... No, this was a very good show. It has matches that don't that wouldn't necessarily blow your mind, but they're they end up being great showcases. I thought this was a, a, an awesome show. This is a great. Right, show. Well, I guess now we can talk about the Max promo since we've talked about it. Oh yes. yeah, there we go. Uh, let's just start. I'll, I'll start it off. A lead in a high spot, low spot. My high spot this week, and this is where we should begin to talk about this. Uh, was the MJF promo? Um, I don't know who any. I don't know what your guys' high spot was was besides this, but. For me, I mean, this was just perfect. What did you think of it, Scott? Yeah, I, I thought it was phenomenal. It, just, just untouchable, really special moment, an emotional moment, and yeah, worth all of the money in the world. I, I don't know what he's gonna eventually do. Like we talk, I mean, well, we'll talk about it right now. But it, it really doesn't matter. He's money. He's just so damn good. It's he's so good that it's almost like he he could have been better, and he will, and he and he'll he'll get to it when he wants to. Like he's it's just so phenomenal. He's untouchable. He's the best. This shit was Robert. Nice. I don't know what else to say. Like it was just crazy, right? It was 
It was so it was, good. Um, it was, yeah, they, it was, you know, he, you know, the whole idea of I, I want you to fire me, Tony, and then he called him a fucking Mark, and you know they bleeped it out. And um, yeah, you can't say Mark on TNT <laughs> or TBS. Uh, Robert, uh, what did you think of uh, the MJF promo? I, we'll I, I mean, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a incredible landmark promo. Um, I think we touched on it earlier. It, it's questionable who this winds up helping. This definitely helps Max. It hurts AEW in a way because it, it was calling out a lot of their flaws and, and they, he was right. You know, they, they overspend on WWE talent. They didn't take care of their own guys the way they should. Tony is uh, a, a fucking Mark. And well, Robert, who are their own guys? They didn't take care of. Well, uh, there's uh, Joey Janela, a lot of the guys they brought in early on, that they well, just kind of push to the wayside, but there's guys who they have that are signed that are not making the same money as the WWE guys that they brought in are. So there's absolutely justifiable reason for being here. There's a lot of guys who got pushed to the side who were the, the building blocks of this company to begin with. It's like there's, I, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, Sonny Kiss was all over AEW programming for a long time and then vanished. I'm not saying that Sonny Kiss needs to be on every week, but you, the people you you brought up just kind of got pushed to the wayside. I haven't seen my boy QT Marshall in a oh, long time. Listen, I'm worried listen about to it. these names he's bringing no, up. Yeah, you still, I, you still got you still get Jungle Boy. You still get Sammy. You, I mean, well, gosh, you still get Ricky Starks. You still get Will Hot. Yeah, I mean, but the, look every, at where they're positioned. You get everybody. That's, look that's at, why, but, that's yeah, why Double look or at, Nothing was so long. Yeah, look at you where they're everybody. positioned and where they go and what they're making. I guarantee you Darby Allen is not making uh, Miro money. Oh and no, think, no, no! Of course, but that's but why that's, I think. But you that's sit the down point, and the, you negotiate a contract and you say, "Okay, I'll sign for longer if you do, pay." Do you think more. Darby Allen's the kind of guy who's going to sit down and negotiate contracts? I've <laughs> negotiated a contract with Darby longer. Allen. He'll, he'll sign it. He'll, he'll sign it in fucking blood. Uh, but the promo was it was serious. It was it was vicious. It was flare like at a lot of points. The audience got sucked in. Uh, it was. It was visceral. It was raw. It was exciting. And you kind of want to see where it goes. It was strange that like they had punk go out and chase Max off after they went to commercial, but like nobody came out during it. And now they, so they pulled Max's profile off of uh, AEW's page and they're not selling his merchandise. So they're, they're really trying to lean into it, but it was a, an incredible spotlight for MJF. I don't know if it was as incredible a spotlight for, for AEW. He's Which is fine punk, with me, man. by the way. What, Scott? It's it's the you know it's punk is gonna be Cena and uh, MJF is punk. Yep, possibly. Yeah. Do you do you make MJF a babyface? I don't know. Oh, I think it could happen. I mean, the thing about MJF and, and the idea of, okay, should he go to WWE? Look, I've always said, yeah, he should, because he should be a movie star. Should he go to WWE? Uh, no, because he's not going to get to be as great as he is. There's no way if he went to WWE, he would be highlighted the way he is in AEW. This has been a flawless run, and it is because he's allowed to be him. Guys, he, he would be awful right now they he would be an nxt if that he, he wouldn't be doing anything no, I just, it, scott you're, so you're you're wrong on that and we talked about this a little bit before you got on but vince loves a guy who can go out there and and talk 
That's why Paul Heyman always got TV time. To have a Paul Heyman who can also wrestle is a Vince McMahon dream. And Max's matches are WWE style matches. He would be Enzo. No, and I disagree. I think that's that's why he's such a commodity because they're not WWE style matches. They're very good matches. They're very good matches, but he wrestles a very traditional WWE style match. No, he wrestles like an NWA style. It's not a WWE style. No, it's WWE style. is like an NWA style is a lot of the WWE. No, it's not. No, it's not. Relax with the Disney. No, (laughs) he's got it. He he would have an opportunity there to step in and be uh, a a top player for them right off the bat because Vince knows that that guy is money. Uh, Pritchard, who's writing it, knows that that guy is money. It's not okay. Okay, and then what do they let him do that would be anywhere near the things he can even say in AEW? What is he saying in AEW that he couldn't say elsewhere? Everything last night. The the idea of even just going there because, oh, this is MJF. You think they would just give it all to MJF? I mean, dude, what they've done from Jump Street in this company, even though he can say, oh, I've been the high point. And yes, he's right. He's not getting paid enough. and, and, And fuck that. But. He has been a highlight because they've allowed him to be a highlight. But what you're forgetting, Scott, is his character before veering into this, when he was super kayfabe, the, you know, the, the, the rich, I'm better than you and does the sports entertainment stuff. He does that better than pretty much anybody else. And when you establish him and let him be himself, he's pretty much better than anybody else. So you have a trajectory in WWE to let him go that way. And they already weave this in. I guess this is what I'm saying. Who on the planet in in terms of pro wrestling and having pro wrestling storylines, right? Which is what MJF is amazing at. Who in the world would be better off in terms of expressing themselves on a, on a pro wrestling level go being in WWE than, than AEW? Now, you make money, you have more opportunities to be seen more, you get to be in movies, you have way yep. more opportunities. But in terms of being in, in, in a pro wrestling storyline, you need to be in AEW to be doing what MJF is doing right now. The, oh my the, gosh, the, boo, lies. And boo and boo and lie all you want, but he could very easily... They, they literally had Seth Rollins doing this on Raw with the promo against Cody, where he's bringing oh, up AEW no. without saying AEW. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but they are letting guys go out there and do that. Cody is talking in WWE the way he did in AEW, and it works <laughs> there. Maxwell, Maxwell Cody, I will say, wait, wait, wait. I, I got to step in here. The reason that Cody is going so well in WWE is because Cody has an editor. Like, yes. The, because he you know, stinks a that, little bit. Yeah, you got to stink a little bit. The, and doesn't stink a little bit. He's the best. He is the best. But you know what? At, at no point in time has Heyman on WWE programming been been terrible or not felt authentic. He's not a guy on the roster, though. He, Vince tends to make talkers managers. I, he would not. He, I, he wouldn't do that with with Max. He's not the size of the rock. He's a small guy. He's not the size of the rock. They've they've pushed smaller guy. It doesn't matter. That that piece doesn't that piece doesn't matter. And also, Max can be the smaller guy and lose and get his ass kicked and show up and get his heat back the next week. All right, Robert. So high spot, low spot. This oh, week sorry. Is- yeah, high spot, low spot. Um, my my high spot was my my phone going off during the entire weekend about all the MJF stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like the number of people who came out of the woodwork to ask, like, have you talked to Max? What's going on with Max? Do you know anything? It was it was fun because it was like, oh, people giving a shit about what's going on in wrestling 
is kind of a lot of fun. And I love that kind of stuff. So it was as as much as I have mixed feelings on a lot of what occurred over the weekend, I like that it generated that kind of excitement and buzz. And uh, I will I will leave it at that in terms of who I spoke to this weekend. Uh, low low spot of the week. Uh, they um, I'm going to go with the use of Champa on Raw. Uh, they, they did this Champa Mustafa Ali match where they put him in there as like the champion contender thing. And they're just kind of squandering this dude. And, and I, I hate seeing that because he does have a lot to give. Uh, and I think my second low spot is, you know, we talked about hell in the cell at the open here. This has got to be one of the most lackluster builds to a pay-per-view kind of ever. It, it feels like it's the last assignment you have I'm to do before summer vacation. Yeah. But backlash delivered, like at least backlash, there were matched on the card that I was excited about. This one, there's one or two, but overall, it's just it feels like they're going through the motions at this moment at, at the moment, and that uh, that that kind of sucks. All right, Scott, high spot, low spot. Ooh, okay. I mean, look, everybody's high spot is that MJF promo. It it it, it was the best, but I I I will let it be the Tanahashi and Punk thing, and and I'll explain why. Because having a match like this allows you to let the title be on the line, which is fun. I think yeah. if, it, if it would have been someone with the title, which, you know, hopefully it's Okada at that point. Um, you know, maybe, oh, it's going to be a screwy finish. Who do we get over? Now we're actually going to get to see CM Punk pin Tanahashi. That's really cool. That's awesome. We get to see like a, a decisive, you know, like a, a legit win between companies. And because of that, you hope, oh, Okada's free now too. So what, what's Okada going to do? Which maybe he'll fight Danielson. And maybe that's why Danielson isn't going to focus on blood and guts, like Robert said. Who the hell knows? But I, I, I love that it's something for the title, which I think they're going to say it is for the title. And uh, yeah, that gets me excited about... about and, and Tanahashi is great. I think people are going to be surprised how good he is. Um, low spot. Shoot, man. I ain't got no low spot. I really enjoyed wrestling this week. There was no low spot. Um, so you're happy I, about Brian Pillman's mom dying, Scott? Oh, you man. Fucking bastard. Oh, yeah, man. That's my low spot. Pillman's mom dying. And the, uh, you know, the bad rap she always got for going on um, Raw after Pillman died. I think that's more of a Vince fault and not like a woman who's dealing with the death, you know, not less than 24 hours. Uh, oh, I will say just kind of slightly on, on that, because we didn't mention on there, but a kind of low spot was they needed to have had some kind of an editor for Martha Hart. It's great that they let her speak, but it went on and on, and it was getting <laughs> kind of uncomfortable. Like, give her a bull- I'm not saying, I mean, like, Dana Warrior the shit out of this. Give her a couple bullet points, let her go out there. You know, so happy to be here. You know, we appreciate everything. Thank you. Uh, that was getting a little, a little long in the tooth. Well, well you husband- heard that. That's why they added like the uh, O'Reilly Darby match and shit, because they added these extra matches because they wanted Martha to have as much time as she wanted to talk. So they bought an extra hour of pay-per-view time. I heard that they did that was because the fi- the Eastern Conference finals were ending and they were hoping that they would get, um, they would get some traffic from that. Oh, I heard it was the Martha Hart. Well, I mean, Tony said at the at the uh, the press thing after that it was for Martha. So yeah, Tony's full of shit. But yeah, that's very true too. Who the hell knows? 
All right. Well, my high spot was obviously the MJF promo. My low spot, um, you know, I, I just have to go with the fact that, like, I am excited to do my something of sports entertainment with this weekend because I'm excited to, to talk to you guys, talk to the Forbidden Dorks. I'm not that excited about watching In Your House this weekend. Um, you know, like, I mean, Hell in a Cell is fucking WrestleMania 17 compared to this uh, In Your House lineup. And I'm going to be... When, when is the In Your House show? Is it like a night Saturday show or is it a day show? Night, no, it's Saturday night, I believe. Could be a day show. Let me see. Uh, I think it's a night show, though. Um, I don't know where... I guess they're still doing it at um, at the Performance Center. Um I don't know, man. Uh, it's uh, does it say the time? It doesn't even does it even say the time here? Um, it doesn't. I'm sure it'll be at night. I don't know, man. But uh, speaking of start times, I will be at the Syracuse Funny Bone this Friday and Saturday. Uh, I, I'm doing uh, the early shows on both night. It should be a blast. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment in the in the uh, in the iTunes. Um, become part of our our Patreon, ten dollar tier, five dollar tier. We're constantly, you know, constantly having new episodes come out. Um, Scott, what, what anything to plug? Um, I mean, I got shows coming up, but for for the Forbidden Door, Saturday, June twenty fifth at six p.m. at the Stand. I'm doing that uh, that show Dan did the, uh, the, the along with Malcolm Bivens, uh, Stokely Hathaway. Uh, you know that show that he had at the stand, Dan. That you did. I'm doing it. Oh, awesome! Yeah, he's gonna be there, so that'll be cool. If any wrestling fans want to come out, hang out after, I will be there for sure. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a fun show. Uh, so, so yeah, it is at seven o'clock on Saturday. Robert, what do you got to plug? Uh, you follow me on Twitter at WWE Creative underscore ISH. Uh, yeah, again, at $10 tier, something to sports entertainment with. I'll be breaking down the post Hell in a Cell Monday Night Raw for uh, for the Forbidden Dorks at that level. Oh, are, I mean, I don't know if Scott's going to join or Mike's going to join. I'm not forcing anyone to join, but you and me are going to be watching Hell in a Cell this Sunday. And then we are going to be watching Hell in a Cell and, and talking about right the, the magic that is uh that is that hell in a cell when are you guys recording right after and releasing? right after probably yeah yeah i'll hop on cool. if i'm not out i'll hop on yeah yeah if you're out it'll be better you're like at a restaurant and you're like looking down at your phone and yeah <laughs> it's gonna be and zach what do you got for us wash your hands all right well welcome back zach and we will uh we'll see you next week with the roast of paul Heyman. take care